living, powerful, sharp, two-edged sword of the Word of God. And uh, let's see, uh, we're in chapter 12 of the book of Romans, talking about being filled with the Spirit in a chaotic world. Anybody realize you're living in a chaotic world? Yeah, if ever there was one, this is it. And you need to be filled with the Spirit. So it's Romans 12, 1 through, 1 through 21, and this is the message translation. Before that, since you're not doing an Operation Solid Life class this week, let me have you remind us of the pledge that Pastor Jerry leads you in most every week, which says, this is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word to me that will change my life forever. Amen. Romans 12.1, and this is the <clears throat> message translation. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. Anybody have an everyday ordinary life? You got one? Okay. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life? Yep. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. John F. Kennedy said, ask not what you can do for your country, or what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Well, this is where he got that saying. It's ask not what God can do for you, but what you can do for God, how you can serve him. Embrace everything that God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. <clears throat> Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. So it's not what... The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we're like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. 
If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice plain second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other and don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, clear and unflinching, uh, that points us in the right direction, how to live a spirit-filled life in a chaotic world. Lord, minister to us through your word this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you know, we've spent some time working on uh, the Holy Spirit, studying the Holy Spirit as a person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and we continue that today. You know who he is because we've talked about that, who the Holy Spirit is. You know what he does in us and through us. But you also know that our flesh and the enemy of our soul work overtime to fight against the work of the Holy Spirit. I may be sure you heard that. You do know that our flesh and the enemy of our soul work overtime to fight against the work of the Holy Spirit. So the work of the Holy Spirit doesn't just come naturally, just flowing out all by itself. You're going to have to contend for that faith. You're going to have to contend for the move of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to put your flesh in order. You're going to have to deny yourself and let the Holy Spirit flow through you. Well, that's always been true. But we also know that we are living in the last days. Anybody here that does not believe that? You think we're... How many of you think the last days are 50 years away? Nobody? Anybody think the last days are five years away? Maybe? Okay, yeah. As are, well, of the last five years, the last five years, the last days. Jesus said we're living in the last days, even in his day. So we're in the last days. But we're, we know that we're very, very close to the last days, right? Uh, we're not, we're not uh, doubting that. 
And I don't need to convince you, if you're at all aware, that of what is going on in our world is chaotic. I mean, I don't care what day of the week you turn your television on, the news on, or, or look at uh, some new newspaper. There are all kinds of things just popping up all over the place that just... I mean, you can't even digest it. You just go, my word, I've never seen so much stuff coming down all at one time. Everywhere in the world it's happening. And then you come closer to home here in our beloved United States of America and you see the same kinds of things happening right here in our own country. And then, you know, take for example what happened two weeks ago down at CC's Pizza with the police officers. It's happening in our own neighborhood. What a chaotic, confused, messed up world we're living in. No doubt about it. None whatsoever. Things like this can't go on a whole lot longer. I'm surprised that this much stuff has gone on already and that we're still here. You know? That with, with all that's happening, you'd think we'd be out of here. It can't go on much longer. Paul described times just like this. In 2 Timothy, he was writing to his uh, young partner, Timothy, and he says, understand this, Timothy, that in the last days, and you said we're in the last days, you believe that, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, or the New King James translation says perilous times is the phrase that's used. There will be perilous times. People will be lovers of self. You know anybody that's a lover of themselves? Oh, you do. Uh, lovers of money. Okay, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. Don't raise your hand. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. Any of you having trouble identifying somebody that fits these characteristics? Have you seen this kind of behavior? Is it present with us in this world today? Yes. I hope it's not present in you. But, but you would agree that, that the characteristics Paul's describing here are present here and now. Yes? He goes on. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Are any of those characteristics yet to come, or are they present? You're clear on that. That, that those things Paul describes, and, and by the way, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. So all the things Paul described, they were present in his generation and they are definitely present today. Not only that, but we take pleasure in presenting them on television and making a, uh, uh, what do you call that? What kind of program is that? A reality, that's it, reality show about people that are all of these characteristics, you know, and, and we celebrate it somehow today. Shocking. Avoid such people. It says it, it may seem like the whole world's chasing headlong into this kind of lifestyle because if you look around, there's hardly anybody standing up against it anymore. Right. You know? 
just seems like uh, the whole world is going that way. It's overwhelming, especially for our young people growing up because this is the only culture they've ever known. This is the, what they think is normal. I told stories in the first service, and I can tell them again. You know, of course, I'm old. But back in the olden days, when I was a teenager, my brother and I had newspaper routes, and we delivered the Review Journal on Sunday mornings, the Sunday morning Review Journal, and we delivered them all week long. But on Sunday morning, we would get up at 3 a.m., fold the newspaper, put them in our bike bags, and cover the neighborhood throwing newspapers out to our customers. Now, our customers, our, our neighborhood was from the intersection of Charleston and Fremont Street, that V section all the way up Fremont, all the way up Charleston to Main Street. We covered everything from Main Street down to Five Points. That was a big route. The two of us covered it. He had one half, I had the other half. And we would get up at 3 in the morning, ride our bicycles down the street, slinging newspapers here, there, everywhere, in the dark, in the light, in the dawn, you know, by the rocket's red glare, whatever. We were out there, neither sleet nor hail nor rain would slow down the newspaper. I wouldn't let my dog walk down there at 3 o'clock in the morning nowadays. Seriously. I, I, I was... We literally would go downtown, and, and the newspaper boys had to collect the money from your customers for the newspaper. I don't know whether it was 50 cents a week or 50 cents a month or whatever it was. I can't even remember. But whatever it was, we had a little coupon book, and so we'd go up and knock on the door. Well, you owe us a buck and a half or something for, for the newspaper for this month or whatever it was. And we'd tear off a little coupon, give it to them. They'd give us the money. And we'd go down to our bicycle parked at the curb, open the bank bag that was tied to the handlebars, put the money in there, close it back up, go back up to the next house, knock on that door, get in an apartment building where we had 50 customers, gone for 30 minutes, come back, our bank bag still hanging right there on our bicycle, the money's still in there, nobody would have dared or thought to bother with that. Well, I'll tell you what, don't drop a nickel downtown these days. You'll get, you'll get run over trying to pick it up, you know. <laughs> Times have changed. That's, all, that's my point. And our, our young people only know this culture. They don't know that culture. I was blessed to have been raised that way and to trust people and to expect that they would do the right things. And yet our young people today are being raised with people that cannot be trusted, even among their school teachers and uh, leadership and so forth that have shown themselves to be not trustworthy. Well, difficult times. Chaotic world. Confusing. What do you do? How, how do you stay on track? Paul says in the 11th chapter of Romans, we just read the 12th, in the, back in the 11th chapter, he's talking and he reminds us of a story of Elijah. He says, 11.2, uh, he said, do you remember that time Elijah was agonizing over the same, over this same Israel and cried out in prayer? Elijah was having a rough time. Things were going against him. He thought the whole world was against him. The whole world was chaotic. 
He cried out in prayer, and God, they murdered your prophets. They trashed your altars. Have any preachers been murdered? Yes. Oh, yes, they have. Burned any churches? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's happened too. He says, I'm the only one left, and now they're after me, God. And do you remember God's answer? I still have 7,000 who haven't quit. 7,000 who are loyal to the finish. Paul goes on to say it's the same today, but Paul was writing 2,000 years ago. So it was 1,500 years when Eli prior to Paul that Elijah had that problem. Paul says it's the same today. 2,000 years ago, there's a fierce, loyal minority still. There's a fiercely loyal minority still. Not many, perhaps, but probably more than you think. Now, if that was true in Elijah's day and it was true in Paul's day, how much more is that true still yet today in your day and my day? That while the whole world seems to be chaotic, the whole world seems to have gone after all of these false things that uh, were just described there, sometimes I just you know, say, God, am I the only one that cares about these things? Am I the only one that's, you know, God says, oh, come on, you're just one of a number. Stand up. Shout it out. Did you ever feel alone? Did you ever feel that your faith was challenged to the core, that you couldn't possibly take another step or go another day? That, uh, because that pretty well describes our world. Seems to be falling apart. And let me remind you uh, that Paul himself lived in that very kind of a world. We just read from Romans. Romans is Paul's writing to the church at Rome. When Paul was writing to the church at Rome, Rome was the ruling world empire. And the ruling world emperor's name was Nero. And if you know anything about history, you will know that Nero was one of the worst, most despotic emperors that has ever lived. He was a madman. He literally was. He was mad, crazy. His success, his fame, his power apparently went to his head. It was Nero that fed the Christians to the lions for sport. It was Nero that wrapped Christians in animal skins and turned dogs loose on them just to see what would happen. It was Nero that let his gladiators practice their maneuvers with their swords and sabers on live Christians just for sport. It was Nero that stuck Christians in a pot of oil tied to a stake and used it for a tiki torch for a barbecue. That was Nero. This is the world that Paul lived in. Listen, folks, if things continue the direction they're going, we'll go back to that, it looks like. I don't know. If Sharia law takes over, look out. And so Paul understood chaotic times. Paul understood a culture where the majority is not lining up with God, not believing God's word, not following God's word. Paul clearly understood that. And so he is able then to speak to us about how do you live in those circumstances? How do you live in chaotic times? <clears throat> is it possible to live a spirit-filled life in a post-Christian world? 
has to be. I guess the question there is, are we in a post-Christian world? I don't like to think so. But it, but it certainly is looking that way, isn't it? Yes. Well, if chapter 12 of Romans is the answer, Paul has an answer to those questions. Here's, here's his answer. How do you live in a chaotic world? <clears throat> okay, I'm pushing too many buttons. Help me. Somebody help me. <laughs> well, I can underline. Yeah, just, just touch the screen anywhere there with the mouse. That'll do it. Thanks, Michelle. Just, just slide it where it comes over here and click, and it'll... It'll get us started. There you go. Thank you. That's all I need. Romans 12.1. I'll, I'll not push the bad buttons again, I hope. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. This is Paul's answer to living a Christian life or a spirit-filled life in a chaotic world. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just consider you're going to get sacrificed anyway. How's that? Just consider that somebody's going to come along one of these days and behead you. Are you willing for that to happen in order to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If somebody pointed a gun in your face and said, Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, I'm going to kill you. What would you answer? There's only one answer that works. Yes, I'm a Christian. Okay. Paul says, Just go ahead and choose the fact that you're a living sacrifice. I've already given my life to Jesus Christ, and you can kill me if you want to. That won't end my relationship with Jesus, will it? No. So Paul says, just consider that you're already a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And we all, we all would say, yes, if somebody pointed a gun in my face and asked me if I were Christian, I'd say yes, and they could shoot me. Okay, is that true? If that's true, then let's live the life now as a living sacrifice. That's what Paul's saying to us. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't try to act like this culture. Don't try to become Justin Bieber or Miley Cyrus. <laughs> but just be <laughs> you know why. You know why. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't, don't try to get the image of this world. Sure, they get all the headlines. They get the extra and uh, whatever other programs are on there talking about what they were wearing and who they were with and, and what kind of a house they live in or car they drive and, and who made the clothes that they're wearing and all of that nonsense. But if they're going to hell, how will that count for anything? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? I'm not saying that every one of those 
are not Christians because some of them are, thank God. Paul says, make your mind up right now. I'm a living dead man. I'm already crucified with Christ. I'm already with him. So what are they going to do to my body that I haven't done voluntarily already? Are they going to cut my head off? Well, I just get to heaven faster. Frightening? I don't want it. I'm not welcoming that. I'm not asking for it, but that ought to be our mindset. I'm, I'm already a living sacrifice. I'm already there. People were dying for their faith in Elijah's day. People were dying for faith in Jesus Christ in Paul's day. And people are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ in our day, around the world. Paul says, present yourself to God, a living dead man. As a popular country song says, live like you were dying. as the way to get more out of life. Well, let me tell you something. If you'll live your Christian life like you were already dead to this world, you'll discover a new life that you never dreamed of. It'll set you free. It'll give you victory. So Paul's direction for living a spirit-filled life in a chaotic world, if it was valid in AD 70, then it's valid today. And these are step-by-step instructions. Here we go. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, let's see. What did he say we needed to do there? Number one, do not be conformed to this world. Number two, renew our minds. All right? For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Number three, think with sober judgment. You could pick up another one in there if you wanted. Soundness of mind. He goes on, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Or I like the Amplified, the way it puts it, it says we're mutually dependent on each other. Mutually dependent on one another. I was sharing, I guess, in the men's group this week, but when I sit down with the couple that's getting ready to get married, I like to draw them a diagram of a triangle and say this represents your marriage. There aren't just two people in a marriage. When you're Christians, there are three. God is the center of the marriage and the wife and the husband on each side. But if the husband pulls away from God, he will begin to pull his wife away from God. If the wife pulls away from God, she will begin to pull her husband away from God. If the wife gets closer to God, she will pull her husband closer to God, and vice versa. The same is true for friends and family. I often tell them, you know, Johnny's family is going to tell him, Oh, no, she's not good for you. You need to get rid of her. You need to, and they start pulling on Johnny. Well, that's going to mess with the marriage, isn't it? You start pulling him away, and not only are you messing with the marriage, but you're messing with Johnny's relationship with God because God put them together. Well, if that's true for marriage, that's also true for the church family as well. 
if you draw closer to God, you will encourage others in your church family to draw closer to God. And if you get more worldly and go out and start messing around, you'll be influencing people to get out more worldly and start messing around. Because we're mutually dependent on one another. We are related to each other. We are family. And so if we allow ourselves to be pulled away from God, we'll pull others. It, we, none of us live by ourselves. We're all related in that fashion. So he goes on to say, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let's use them. If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, if it's service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right, so we've got don't be conformed, be transformed, think with sober judgment, and having gifts, number four, having gifts, let us use them. Then he starts getting real intense. He said, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, and outdo one another in showing honor. So that would be number five, let love be genuine. Number six, abhor that which is evil. Number seven, hold fast what is good. Number eight, love one another with brotherly affection. And number nine, outdo one another in showing honor. You're keeping track, right? You're writing these down? Do not be slothful in zeal. There's another one. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Let's see. Let me turn the page. Number 10, don't be slothful in zeal. 11, be fervent in spirit. 12, serve the Lord. 13, rejoice in hope. 14, be patient in tribulation. 15, be constant in prayer. 16, contribute to the needs of the saints. And number 17, seek to show hospitality. How's that for a list? All of these things are ways to serve the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you in chaotic times. Can you remember all these and keep track of them? Well, wait, we're not done. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Oh, that's a hard one, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice. That was something we could probably do pretty easy. Weep with those who weep. We've done that on many occasions. Live in harmony with one another. That's not as easy as it sounds. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Hmm. Number 18, bless those that persecute you. Number 19, rejoice with those who rejoice. 20, weep with those who weep. 21, live in harmony with one another. 22, don't be haughty. 23, never be wise in your own right, your own sight. No, he's not done. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If All of these are great ideas, aren't they? If you live like this, would you not represent Jesus Christ almost perfectly? Wouldn't it be great if you could just have all of those characteristics flown out of you all the time? Yeah? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I told you that my wife, when she was back in Tennessee a couple of years ago, brought me a plaque. 
that said, honey, we've been through a lot together and most of it was your fault? Yeah. Now, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Ooh, that's a hard one. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we got 24, repay no one evil for evil. Number 25, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 26, live peaceably with all. 27, never avenge yourself. 28, leave it to the wrath of God. And he's still not done. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, number 29 then. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Number 30, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. 31, don't be overcome by evil. 32, overcome evil with good. There you have it. Easy. 32 simple rules for living a spirit-filled life in a chaotic world. You got that? You wrote those down? No, it's not even possible, is it, to follow those? Not, n- not number one, two, three, four, five. It isn't possible. I mean, that'll make you cry out for the Ten Commandments. Lord, could we just have ten? You know? I could follow ten, but 32 rules of perfection? Can't quite make it. No, it's, it's not possible. Without the Holy Spirit living in you, it is not possible. The whole point of Paul's writing is you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. It's the only way you're going to make it in this chaotic world. The only way you're going to live a life that will satisfy you and a life that will be pleasing before God is for you to be Spirit-filled and be seeking the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to flow through you on a continuing basis. If you don't think Paul's admonition is enough, look at John's admonition in 1 John 2.15, 2.15, English Standard Version, do not love the world. Same concept. Or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's a challenge for you. As you're watching the television and enjoying your favorite program, whatever it might be, how far, how deep are you in there? Has that become an idol to you? It can be. You know that, oh, I can't live. I can't, I, I can't miss an episode. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father. It's from the world. So you need to know your own person, your own personality. Am I influenced by the world? Yes, you are. I mean, we'd like to say, no, I'm not influenced by the world. You are. You're influenced by me, and I'm influenced by you. And we're influenced by our community around us. 
But these desires are not from the Father, it's from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. The world is passing away along with its desires. People of great fame, people of great wealth, people that made a million movies and won a million battles, all wind up in the same place, a three foot by six foot hole in the ground. We all die. The world is passing away along with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. There are eternal benefits to allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through you. Any pleasure, any thing that you think you're going to sacrifice to serve Jesus is only a temporary pleasure at best because it's doomed be short-lived. But what you do for Christ is eternal. It will last not just into this lifetime, but forever. So stop trying to compare yourself to this world. Stop trying to get along on the world's terms. Determine that you're a living dead man. You're sacrificed to Jesus Christ. Bought with a price. The scripture says, live out and out for Jesus and don't look back. Just give it all to him. But you can't possibly do that in your strength alone. Sounds good, but you won't do it without the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It's a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life. The Holy Spirit in you generating this life. You have to surrender to his will daily. You have to pray constantly. You have to pray in the Holy Spirit regularly. You have to read his word daily. You have to spend time in his presence faithfully. Quiet time. Alone time not multitasking time while you're driving the car and praying. See, God, it pays eternal dividends. Determined to be a spirit-filled believer. Yes. My agenda doesn't really matter, does it? Not if it conflicts with his agenda. And listen, my agenda gets really exciting when it lines up with his agenda. There isn't anything more exciting than knowing, you know what, God used me today. I, I, I just said a casual word or two to that neighbor. And they received that as though God himself had spoken to them. Is that an amazing feeling or what? So be spirit-filled. Chaotic times, well, the chaotic times require all the more that we lean upon the guidance of that Holy Spirit Allow him to minister through us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? I've given altar call and invite you to accept Jesus, but as I look around the room, I believe I know that every one of you have acknowledged him as Lord and Savior and are following him. So, Lord, our heart's desire is to be more like you every day. 
we, we do recognize that we're living in the last days. We're living in difficult times. That uh, As hard as we try to be good on our own, our goodness isn't enough. We need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit who will flow through us and we'll be amazed at the results that that will bring. Fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. Go with us daily. Lord, may our hearts hunger after your word, hunger after prayer time, hunger after quiet time with you. To seek your face, to know your presence and power in our lives, to hear your voice as we walk so that we would hear this is the way, walk in it, and that we would be used of you being led by your spirit is our desire. Go with us, we pray. Teach us that as we walk this out in daily life, we pray. Set up a divine appointment for us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.